Hello, 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 and welcome to this edition of V Radio and Liberty Unleashed. I'm your host, well, one of them, V Radio, also known as Neil Kiernan. Today we've got an excellent show lined up for you, right, Brian? That is correct. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host of Liberty Unleashed, Brian, and I don't have a cool radio voice like Neil, but, you know, I'll, I'll work on it. Someday, just someday. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, very interesting show today. Um, obviously, in the news, uh, the last day or so, a couple of days, has been the, um, the uh, what's that called? The sentencing of those conspiracy guys from the January 6th um, in 2020. If you remember, I'm sure you do, Neil, because you did a documentary that we're going to be watching some of today. Uh, this yep. was a whole riot, or uh, as the media likes to call it, a violent inter- insurrection that happened at the Capitol. Right. Not an uprising. You see, an uprising is when you go into your city and destroy large quantities of private property and hurt people who have nothing to do with your grievance. Then we call that an uprising. Uh, or rather, that's what Black Lives Matter calls them. <laughs> You're right. Nonviolent <laughs> protest. It's a fiery but mostly peaceful protest. Right. I mean, like, if you never need any evidence that there's no Antifa at um, January 6th, it would be that they didn't light anything on fire. So, yeah. Um, now, a little backstory, I guess, if there's somebody out there who's been under a rock for a while, we're obviously talking about January 6th, 2001. Uh, and this was a result of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden in the elections. Um, of course, we know how that turned out. Trump lost. Biden's now our president. Um, Biden won the popular vote with 51% and what was 81 million votes and some change. Uh, Trump ended with 46% about 74 million votes and some change. Um, but many people, you know, including me, had a hard time believing that 81 million people showed up to vote for Joe, Joe Biden. Uh, of course, Neil, you've heard the narrative that they didn't show up to vote for Joe Biden. They showed up to vote out Trump. So it had nothing to do with wanting Biden in. It just was Trump out. Um, but of right. course, many people think election fraud took place. And you and I have been doing politics for a while. And, you know, a couple episodes ago, we did a uh, an episode about election fraud. And I think the, and we weren't talking about a particular election, so to speak. We were just talking about in general. And of course, right. with, uh, voting machines um, but I thought, you know, given everything that we presented and and know that the probability of election fraud in this country is very high, that there's no doubt that there's mischief going on when it comes to the elections. And for me personally, I thought that the Joe Biden Trump election, and I think both of us can say that neither of us are Biden fans or Trump fans. So this is... Um, I right. guess for us, we're not sitting here like we want Trump in, um, so we're not in any way supporting him. But I, I, I can't speak for you, but I think you questioned it as well. It just seemed odd that 81 million people showed up for this guy who barely campaigned, um, and he didn't win a lot of states in terms of the electoral college goes either. So I guess you know, on January 6, 2001, a mob of Trump supporters went and protested. They started, I guess, January 5th and were protesting at the Capitol. And their attempt was to keep a joint session of Congress from counting the Electoral College votes to formalize Joe Biden's victory. Now, you know, there's all kinds of claims throughout this, like the media claimed five people died as a result of this protest. Uh, Tucker Carlson 
reports that there's no evidence that five people died. I know some police officers committed suicide after the fact, but there's been no evidence that I've seen or Tucker Carlson as well that suggests that they did during this whole violent insurrection. Um, and according to Wikipedia, Neil, 138 police officers were injured during this protest. Uh, um, and as I said, that four police officers committed suicide. So this was, I guess, a call to action by President Trump for and thousands of his supporters gathered at D.C. on January 5th and 6th to protest the election results. Right. Did I, did I, did I do that backstory? Did I get it about right? No, I, I think you basically got it. Yeah. Um, I basically, I was watching or rather, that, that's the first thing I want to show, obviously, is um, I was listening to Trump's speech live and all that happened because I had a feeling something weird was going to happen that day. And I'm glad that I did because I caught a rather relevant part of it. Um, I think it's interesting that the media is suddenly interested in the plight of police officers um, if they're getting hurt by right wingers. You know, nobody wants to hear anything about the police officers if they're getting hurt by, you know, Antifa or BLM rioters. Um, you know, but it, it's important if for some reason conservatives did it. It's just a common problem. Um, so but I guess, you know, now we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about the sentencing. I guess we're gonna do some retrospect, just playing a little bit of my documentary on this topic. It wasn't just on this topic, it was called Insurrection. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, and it was kind of a play on words. Uh, to the fact that, you know, it was comparing the 2020 riots of you know, like BLM to the January 6th riots and kind of trying to draw a comparison in those two things. Um, you know, you guys can check it out. The funny thing about this one is, you know, it was another one of the ones where I had to kind of fix the sound on a little bit. And I've noticed that the video <laughs> just keeps degrading. It looks like it's 30 years old and I don't know why. Um, this is the one is also normally completely like you have to like log in to watch it because of the violence in it. And I, I mean, I can't really blame them. I do use a lot of raw footage here. Uh, but were you ready to go ahead and have a listen or just more you wanted to say? A couple more things. Um, this is, you know, the show's a result of recently it was the Proud Boys, uh, members of the Proud Boys who were sentenced. Um, as we look at it, there was Dominic Pizzola, who was sentenced to 10 years. Uh, Zachary Rail Rail was 15 years and Joseph Biggs, 17 years. And, and we're going to talk about our feelings on the amount of sentence I got. There's two other people and I don't have their names in front of me at the moment, but I'll get that while we're doing the documentary. Um, but their sentencing didn't happen yet. So in total, five people from the Proud Boys um, have been or will be sentenced um, for their involvement in January 6th. So, um, you know, that's obviously part of the backstory here and what we'll be discussing after your documentary. So go yep. rock and roll. All right. So um, leading up to this, I go ahead and play it. But like this is the the key thing that I think that stuck out in my mind when I was watching this live. And it's also a part of his speech that doesn't really get any repetition and certainly didn't get any during the January 6th hearings. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and to peacefully and to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. So that's what he told everybody. Make your way over to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically let your voices be heard. And they tried to suggest that that's inciting a riot. And in later in the documentary, 
I say, well, if that's inciting a riot, let me, you know, what are these? And I have like all kinds of different examples of BLM and Antifa just openly saying, yes, we're violent. Yes, we're going to be violent. Yes, we need to be violent. Defending violence, you know, advocating for violence. And yet, for some reason, that topic is never brought up. In addition to the fact that Antifa openly states that their goal is to overthrow the government. And for some reason, um, the only time that anybody might ever say something, or rather, the only time that anybody on the, you know, on the other side of this says anything about it is to suggest that somehow this quote-unquote insurrection was an attempt to overthrow the government. Like, literally the day after this, Antifa posted flyers in Portland um, with a burning White House on the image, and it was, you know, basically that they, you know, they, they actually attacked of ironically dnc headquarters <laughs> and like it was because they were being anti-biden so anyway did you have any comments brian no you can go ahead and uh launch that video and we'll talk discuss everything afterwards all right so those are the words that he said during the live broadcast i listened to that i was kind of surprised we're not really getting a whole lot of play as far as to how people remembered what was said Instead, what people are suggesting is that he asked for people to violently essentially take over the government or uh, engage in insurrection. Um, and honestly, I guess it's more contradictory to me because over the course of the year, we've been told over and over again that any violence or looting or destruction that takes place when the left is protesting is completely outside of the boundaries of the responsibility for the left as a whole. That only the extremists do these things and that they don't represent the majority. So here we have Donald Trump specifically calling for peaceful protests at the Capitol in an effort to try to pressure politicians, which is basically what you're supposed to do in a democracy. He didn't ask anybody to harm anyone. He didn't ask anybody to do any damage. But it's being suggested that the extremism in his voice or the you know, persuasiveness of the way he went about talking about his concerns about the integrity of the election alone somehow make him responsible for all of the violence. So now let's talk about what took place after Donald Trump's speech wherein he had suggested to his followers that they peacefully, quote-unquote, go to the Capitol and voice their displeasure with their elected officials as to their lack of confidence in the outcome of the election. To understand what took place, you're going to have to first of all recognize that the Capitol building is a big place, and therefore the police in question were asked to cover a lot more ground than they ever feasibly would have had the personnel to handle. This led to misconceptions like the idea that the cops just simply let them in. And at some of the entrances, they did. And it's because they were grossly undermanned and outgunned. And really, the only other choice would have been for them to simply be stomped to death by the mob. In other places, there was a pitched battle, including what looks an awful lot like a medieval siege in a tunnel that went on for 30 minutes. I'm not going to play all of that video but I can make it available to you if you want to see it. But suffice it to say, there was, I guess you could say, layers to what was taking place in the Capitol, from the bizarre to the outright violent, and in some cases, deadly.
Police are squabbling with protesters. Oh, there we go. And they just breached the Capitol again. People were wondering how the Trump protesters were able to get in so easily. Of course, their buddies on the police department helped them in. If this is uh, looking at inside, or look at this, these protesters are inside Statuary Hall right now. You see the statues. This is a, a moment I never saw in my life. These individuals just rushed through security. They are inside Statuary Hall. This is a legendary, a legendary place uh, where all of us uh, who've covered Capitol Hill, it's hard to believe what we're seeing right there. They're just walking through. Where are Capitol Police?
So again, that went on for, at least in the video that I watched, about 30 minutes. And I would like to take a quick moment to address my associates on the left. For those of you who make idiotic requests, like that police should not be allowed to have riot gear or riot shields, I would ask you to consider for a moment you know, the fact that you were probably very comfortable with what you saw in that video only because of the fact that the police were fighting people who you consider to be your political opposition. But this is why riot gear exists. If you see people suggesting that the cops didn't fight and that they just let them in, say something. And if you're one of those people, please stop. If you told anybody that that's what happened, go find that person and tell them you were wrong. Yeah, I can't do that. 
I want to pause it for a second to kind of make a note of the fact that you see how we're we're talking about essentially two very different environments. <laughs> like, you know, here we have a cop who's talking to him like, can I just get you guys to get out of the Senate? You know, almost like, I don't know, a substitute teacher dealing with some unruly students, you know. But meanwhile, elsewhere, you had like a pitched medieval battle in a tunnel. Um, and that's one of the things that made it difficult and still does, just like the Rittenhouse incident, like people keep like, you know, spitting out things that are not true about this. But what it amounts to is, is that, well, the cops just let them in. That didn't happen everywhere. It happened in some places, you know, or the cops didn't fight them at all. Well, um, those cops in that tunnel battle looked like they were fighting to me pretty brutally, actually. You know, um, so the problem is, is that both things are essentially true simultaneously. That, like, essentially, if you could say half the, the you know, January 6th, was like this, then the other half was like that. You're not making an accurate statement, but it's a big place, you know. Um, but then they they were gonna put this guy away for years, and he's obviously just kind of a goofy guy. And you know, Tucker Carlson's uh, reporting more or less proved that you know he didn't he didn't do anything to deserve to be put away for years. Did you have any comment on what you saw so far, Brian? You know, it's amazing. Um, obviously, we're doing this because of the sentencing of the Proud Boys that recently happened. But seeing the QAnon shaman there, um, you know, and, and mentioning Tucker Carlson, out of the mainstream media, he was the only one who was willing to, I don't know, I guess, tell the truth about it or present a different viewpoint than what was out there being presented. Uh, everywhere you went, that's all it was talked about, this violent insurrection, this violent insurrection. I mean, they, they said it so many times that I think everybody who is a normal mainstream media sheep just started repeating it. Like, everybody just now calls it a violent insurrection. Uh, it's amazing. Right, and I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, WYSIWYG TV, who's actually in the uh, audience today. He was actually present that day. Um, you know, if Wizzy, if you like, I sent you a DM on um Discord. You're free to join us. It'd be cool to have your perspective since you were there. Um, but anyway, uh, so that was you know, like it kind of gets to the point of what I wanted to cover mostly. It's just that 
there's many different layers to this situation, you know, and I didn't actually end up playing it, but like there was another example where like they constantly try to say that this was some kind of white supremacist, you know, like racist riot. But there's a moment in that tunnel fight where a black Trump supporter got knocked unconscious and his fellow Trump supporters very carefully picked him up and moved him to safety. It's like, you know, that that's not the environment either. Blacks for Trump were, were present. Um, when I did my episode debunking everything's going to be all white, you know, I showed that there were people of like every race represented on January 6th, you know, but that doesn't fit the new we need an evil white supremacist Nazi boogeyman, boogeyman narrative, you know. So, um, well, you know, and but, out of, out of all the out of all the uh, proud boys that are being charged. So I, I mentioned I didn't have the full list. So it was Dominic Pizzola, Joseph Biggs. Ethan Nordine, Zachary Rael, and Enrique Tariq, or Tarillo. Uh, Enrique is definitely not a white boy, and he's a Proud Boy member. So, you know, to make your point there. Right. You know, that, that's, and well, Enrique is definitely not white. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but, but that's never been enough for them. I, I don't, I, it's, but you got to remember that they can repeal your black card anytime they want. That's how they operate, you know. Um, and or they'll say you have some kind of internalized racism or something like that. But the theme wasn't racist. Nobody there was there because they were racist. They were there because they supported Donald Trump, and they were concerned that they were getting screwed out of their election. You know, um, and we discussed different anomalies and all that. But to me, my investigation of that began during the primary. It was before any of this other stuff. Like that's, you know, Joe Biden wins the primary in states that he had not even campaigned in. And, um, like the weird, you know, conspiracy essentially, cause that's what it was. Obama basically gets on the phone and tells all of them to drop out except for Elizabeth Warren, who they were going to leave in so that she could help divide the progressive vote, you know, and allow Biden to surpass, you know, Hillary, but or not Hillary, um, Bernie. Um, but at the same time, there were anomalies there as well because the exit polls did not match what the computers brought back. But, all of that, when it comes to a primary, what's made worse in this situation is that it's actually not even illegal for them to rig primaries. And there was a uh, lawsuit back in 2016 filed by Bernie supporters because of what had been revealed by WikiLeaks and such that the, you know, that the primary had been interfered with by the DNC. And the DNC defended themselves in court by saying, we're actually allowed to pick our candidate any way we want. We could draw names out of a hat. Like these are all like from court transcripts, you know, and it's largely because people don't realize that the political parties, all of them are not, they're all private entities. They're not directly governed by the constitution yet. They wield enormous power over our democratic process of, you know, choosing our, you know, representatives. They wield enormous power that was never intended in the, when they were drafting the constitution. In fact, the majority of the founding fathers were against political parties altogether, you know, but anyway, so they're concerned about their election, you know, and another interesting point, and I should have brought a clip up for this was that because like at the time I didn't have that on hand, but like that is being brought up was that there were riots when Donald Trump won in 2016, you know, Antifa and all of them showed up, burned stuff and, you know, destroyed stuff. But, you know, the, the common lie is to suggest, well, the left doesn't do that when we lose elections. And I'm like, you did that even after you won. <laughs> still there, Brian? Looks like you're muted. Yes, I'm still here. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I am sorry, muted. This time. I'm worried that my microphone isn't the one I want to use and it's picking up all this other audio out there. Um, yeah, and you know, they the the founding fathers didn't they didn't trust a lot of things, including big government. Um you know, interesting point back then. Uh, and it was set up that the office of the pe- presidency was not supposed to be that important of a role. And the first couple of presidents didn't campaign. It was actually looked down upon to campaign. You were you were acting beneath yourself to go and campaign for president. Um, as it progressed along and the need for power, as government always, always does, they started to find ways to make the office of the presidency seem more important more powerful than it really is so fast forward to today and we act like having biden or trump you know is the most important thing out there in the world um and and it really isn't when you look at the limitations of the president or what the office of the presidency is supposed to be they really don't have that much power and you go and you watch social media and everywhere right now you know obviously it's campaign time so Biden and them are out there talking about how Biden created all these jobs. Biden reduced inflation. Biden did this for health care. Biden's looking out for the middle class family. Biden and the presidency don't have any ability to do that. You know, it's like Biden, they, they, they credit him with the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Well, obviously, that's Congress who has to write the bill. Biden just says yay or nay to it when it hits his desk. So nobody's questioning it, though. Like, you know, the Democrats are just out there the same way. Like, yes, Biden did all this. Biden created 170,000 jobs. Biden reduced inflation. Biden, Biden, Biden. And, you know, the office of the presidency is not meant for that. That's not what it does. uh, And that's not the power that it wields. Right. And and that's really um, it's interesting how often we used to we talk about this all the time, you know, back in the day was that frequently people don't even know who their congressman is. They don't know who their senators are sometimes. They definitely don't know any of their local politicians, like like their sheriff and such. They probably didn't even didn't even occur to them that they vote for their sheriff for a reason. Um, you know, things like that. And we've talked about that many times. You know, so I guess Brian, you had the article. Do you just want to go ahead and pull the article up as far as like the sentencing of these proud boys? Uh, I didn't have the article. I had actually Twitter um comments on it, but I will why you play the uh, video bring the article up and when we do another pause i'll have it ready for you you. got it i guess we'll go back to the video here we go It's only a matter of time. Justice is coming.
opportunity. Thank God we took it back. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. For this opportunity to stand up for our God given unalienable rights. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building, to allow us to exercise our rights, to allow us to send a message to all the tyrants, the communists, and the globalists that this is our nation, not theirs. That we will not allow the America, the American way of the United States of America to go down. Thank you, divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God for filling this chamber with your white light of love, with your white light of harmony. Thank you for filling this chamber with patriots that love you and that love Christ. Thank you, divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God for blessing each and every one of us here and now. Thank you, divine creator God for surrounding and filling us with your divine, omnipresent white light of love and protection, peace, and harmony. Thank you for allowing the United States of America to be reborn. Thank you for allowing us to get rid of the communists, the globalists, and the traitors within our government. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. He said amen. Uh, viewer discretion advised, folks. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election. So I want to pause it there because also, like I said, the, the five people thing that was like old information. I made this documentary a while ago. Um, but that was the death of Ashley Babbitt, an unarmed protester who broke through a window and was going to try to get to the other side, who was just shot, just gunned down. You know, you have to ask yourself, you know, uh, can you imagine like what would happen if an unarmed BLM you know, or Antifa rioter, you know, just got gunned down by a cop like that, you know, how, what the reaction would be, you know, and instead what you get is, you know, all kinds of trolling, saying things like Ashley Babbitt got what she deserved or whatever is, is generally the attitude of the left, you know, like they're, they're all about, you know, people getting shot by cops as long as they don't agree with them. Right. That's, I mean, it's amazing that I've seen that plenty of times where she got what she deserved and I, I just, I can't, put my hand around that one my head around that one on somebody dying at i mean you know treat cops like they're judge jury and executioner and that was okay uh in our society is just beyond reproach well the theory that i have heard was that supposedly mike pence was pretty close by and that that's why the secret service did that i don't know I, it's been a while since i looked at this i'm sure we probably have more information on it now you know but it doesn't change the fact that again what do they think she was going to do like, you know, like just one woman coming through. I mean, more probably would have come after her. But like, you know, again, um, I, I don't I don't really know exactly like what what 
can you know basically condones that level of force escalation instantly. The guy didn't even try to keep her from getting through the window. I don't know, um, right. you know, but it's it's definitely a scenario where the way it's always looked back on, you know, is that the same people that would whine because say Jacob Blake, who was a rapist, who was violating a restraining order that his victim had against him with an act of warrant against, you know, uh, you know, act of warrant for said rape, uh, was resisting arrest with the police, you know, with police with a knife in his hand, and then got shot in the back while trying to leave with her car with her kids in it. You know, that was something that we needed to burn down, you know, the city of Kenosha for, you know, because after all, you know, he was obviously a model citizen, you know, which is why he was a sex offender, you know, who got shot. And honestly, as I've said many times before, you know, um, if he had done that to my daughter and violated the restraining order and we had a warrant on him, he wouldn't have gotten shot eight times. He'd have gotten shot once right in the head. You know, like I just it's amazing to me that that person is deified and they'll say his name, you know, and he wasn't a good person at all. And a lot of, you know, people who get shot by cops that the left deifies were not. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, I was just thinking, I was laughing, thinking, you know, listen to you saying this person shouldn't have got shot, but I'm a vigilante and we'll do it in a second. Well, it depends. Is he going to show up at my daughter's door? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I got it. I just, you know, yep. I don't know how many other people will. Right. So, but, um, you know, after that, Trump told everybody to go home. Um, unfortunately, my video quality is crap again for some reason while playing videos. I don't know why. Um, I keep having this problem. Strategic has this problem too, and I haven't been able to fix it. Um, you know, but essentially, though, um, Trump tells them to go home. Trump at no point ever told them to be violent, and he said, "We're going to go to the Capitol to peacefully and protest, you know, basically to peacefully and patriotically let our voices be heard." And there were people who were doing just that. And I should have, I, I wasn't able to find the footage again, but like there were people who were literally just, you know, peacefully protesting outside the Capitol, and. You know, at one point somebody started breaking something and those people started yelling at the person to stop. Like, you know, so again, there were so many different faces of what the protest looked like, depending on where you happen to be at the time. So did you get that Twitter feed up? Uh, I got all I got it all up, man. Uh, that didn't sound awesome. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that kind of uh, show, Brian. Right. Exactly. And you don't you won't mm. let me have a. uh uh, only fans page for the show so you know no not for us you can have one on your own <laughs> right so i saw you know the comment there obviously somebody was saying you know people people wouldn't do this for george bush or another president um you know and they did this so it's got to be donald trump's fault in some way or another um first of all times are completely different um Back then, if you mentioned the shadow government or the deep state, you were pretty much considered a uh, conspiracy theorist, and most people didn't believe that it exists. Uh, we're talking like during the George Bush era. Fast forward to now, and people use the deep state like it, they've always known it's been there, and it's some common thing, common knowledge thing. Um, Trump also ran on draining the swamp, and that was very important to a lot of people, obviously, that, that terminology, draining the swamp. Um, you know, when you look at it, Neil, the, you know, you got independent musicians like uh, Oliver Anthony and Tom McDonald who are, who are writing these songs and they're getting hundreds of millions of views on them. And their songs are just talking about how the system is, is messed up. The system is broken that, you know, Tom McDonald said the system's working the way it's supposed to, which is to screw us basically. Um, 
these kind of songs used to not resonate with that kind of number of people. And now they are. The term draining the swamp and deep state used to not resonate with that many people. And now it is. I think people are more woke awoke to the fact that we are being lied to, that the media is fake news. The mainstream media is fake news and that the government in no way has our best interest in mind. Um, you know, George Bush obviously uh, lied about weapons of mass destruction, never apologized, never acknowledged it. Um, so of course people aren't going to show up and do the same thing for him. Um, you know, they don't look at George Bush and Donald Trump as the same thing. Um, so, you know, this is guy who said he's going to drain the swamp and get rid of all this corruption in DC. And that's what everybody was cheering and, and voting for him for now, whether he achieved that or not is not the point of this show. And we can do that on another show, but the sediment, what he was saying and the way people felt about what he was saying was real. I mean, I'm not a Trump supporter and I want the DC swamp drained. So, you know, uh, there's a big difference and who you're going to show up for and why you're going to show up for them, um, I think, in this case. I think, honestly, really what it comes down to is that Republicans, they didn't want Trump in the, be in the you know, to begin with. It really comes down to the fact that, you know, they, they would have loved to have done to him what, what the DNC did to Bernie. But he just flat out told them, if you don't treat me fairly, I'll, I'll run third party. And you and I both know the Libertarian Party would have fallen all over themselves to have Donald Trump on their ticket. You know, so he would have gotten on all 50 ballots. He would have been a serious problem. The money you know, they would have raised. Well, right, exactly. You know, the Republican movement, you know, would have been in a lot of trouble. They would not have been able to beat, you know, Hillary at that point um, because it was close enough as it is. But the, the main point is, is that, you know, they wanted to get rid of him. And then when they got him in, they were kind of hoping that, Maybe they can get what they wanted out of him. But when I was working for Jesse Ventura's exploratory committee about when he was going to, he was thinking about running for president last time, he said, you know, I want to run against Donald, but I got to give him credit for something. And I was like, what? He's like, he didn't get us into any more wars. And I honestly believe that that's why, you know, that's why somebody like Liz Cheney is going to speak out against Trump. It's, it's going to be because he didn't go along with them. I honestly believe that the plan in 2016 was for Hillary Clinton to get elected and then to invade Syria. And, and they hopefully um, provoke Iran. I think they were hoping to provoke Iran and or find a way to lie about Iran like they did with Iraq. Right. Yeah, exactly. That that that's largely what I think was happening. And the funny thing is is that um Curtis Press actually reported on this that Biden's first day in office, he had 400 troops and armored vehicles in Syria securing a oil field and if anybody needs that link you can I'll, you know, I'll be happy to provide it but you know um i would agree with xl right you know in over his head and failed to realize that that's what a lot happens to a lot of people you got to remember also he wasn't a career politician so you know but at the end of the day the real thing that he did because like you know when liz cheney decided that she needed to turn on trump she had voted in favor of basically everything trump wanted literally until like the last second and then it comes down to, well, we can't seem to get this guy to invade countries and we neoconservatives need that. So I guess we better turn on him then, you know, and it was amazing how the left just lapped up and like kissed her feet, you know, like, oh, you're so stunning and brave and amazing. 
She's so like, she has so much like, you know, integrity and she's really just trying to push for the constitution. And I'm like, bitch, you're talking about somebody that helped her dad write the Patriot Act. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? You know, like you're, you're talking about somebody who literally helped her dad write a book to excuse torture and to say it's slanderous to say that torture, you know, that, you know, that waterboarding is torture. That's all things she did. And all of her positions are all things that the alt-left wants people canceled for on a regular basis. She's pro-Israel, she's anti-assault you know, assault weapons ban, and just to be clear, I'm also anti-assault weapons ban. But the point is, is that she's literally nothing else to them. But Trump, Trump derangement syndrome is so powerful that it was like she had been baptized by John the Baptist himself. All of her sins are forgiven because she talked shit about Trump. That, that's yeah. how the alt-left treated it. I, I mean, I think he wouldn't play the role of their puppet. And, I mean, I, to sum up what you're saying, that, that's the impression I got. Uh, and that's how I felt about it with the way they were treating it, with so many Republicans, or should I say neocons, the war hawks, turning on them. Yeah, I mean, no new war was very important and obviously very important to the American people, too. And, you know, as the quote says here, like, we'll be celebrating in Tehran by next year for John Bolton. Uh, they wanted that. They want war. They love the military industrial complex. And I think that Trump wasn't willing to play their puppet on a lot of things. Um, and including, as we talked about, I think the last episode, you know, it was just, it was fun to watch him in the, uh, um, the press conferences when he'd be like, no, nope, not answering your question. You're fake news. There's nobody else right. in the history of the presidency. You did that. They all put on their tie suit and tie and went up there and acted like they respected everybody. And we're going to treat everybody fairly and answer the questions. And Trump was like, no, you're fake news. Get out of here. You're fake news. Get out of here. And I have to admit, I, I love that part. I thought that was great. You know, calling it out as it is. Uh, I think he could have called out a couple others fake news that he didn't. But, hey, you know, we have some disagreement there, Trump and I. But at the end of the day, my point is he wasn't willing to play their puppet. And by not playing their puppet, um, this is what he got. This is what came out of it. Right. Well, yeah, and that's that's always going to be a problem. And as Ron Paul found out, you know, Tulsi Gabbard found out, Mike Gravel, Dennis Kucinich, if you are anti-war, you are public enemy number one. Like, that is a great way to be sure you destroy your political career. And it doesn't matter where you're at, what position you're in, they will turn on you. You know, um, because being pro-war, you know, when you consider as Mike Gravel, the late Mike Gravel pointed out, you know, that they are the most powerful lobby in Washington, the military industrial complex, you know, yes. that they, you know, and they're making absurd amounts of money in Ukraine right now, you know. And, you know, in fact, when you think about it, that war is immensely profitable. Because it's pretty much just us shipping them, you know, endless disposable items. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about actually sending them real vehicles now. But my point is, is like, especially when they were sending them all those rockets and stuff, I'm like, wow, you know, whoever manufactures those shoulder mounted rockets is going to be making tons of money because that was basically the whole Ukraine defensive for a while is we're just going to use these, you know, fire and forget rockets over and over again. I'm like, yeah, man, I should have bought stock in whatever company was doing that. Right. You know, yeah. but anyway, you know, and I, and I maintain for a while, though, I, I don't talk too much about Ukraine because it's almost impossible to get good information about it. And I don't I don't think we'll really have the truth about what's going on over there for generations, if ever. Um, you know, but again, it, it all comes back to the same pig trough. And 
Glenn Greenwald has been reporting now recently on how the neoconservatives are essentially like, like he, he took one of them and I, I forget the guy's name, but like he, he went back and showed articles written by this guy that were super um, right wing conservative sounding when he was in Bush's white house. And now he's writing articles that are super woke and, you know, like super left leaning. And of course, well, who's he working with now? Well, now he's working with Biden, you know, when George Bush, and Dick Cheney and that whole administration decided to support Biden, I immediately knew something was up. I was like, what the hell? Right. <laughs> you know, um, when you look at this, and I'm going to post some stuff that went on on social media here soon um, with this, um, we, we talked about in the past voter fraud, and that's, I think, where this whole thing stemmed from. But I actually think it's deeper than that. I, I think it's much deeper than just voter fraud. I think when you go back to the swamp, when you go back to being lied to by the government, when uh, taxes are the way they are, when you don't really have a say, it's just like they want you to believe you have a say in what goes on. But once they get elected, they do the opposite of what they say they're going to do. Um, you know, it's not just about voter fraud. But voter fraud has probably been going on in this country for, I mean, at least as long as I can remember. So it has to have been going on longer than that. And people, they, they don't seem to want to accept it. They still go out and cast their vote as if it means something. And any time you bring it up, you're basically accused of being the one who voted for the loser. So right. in this case, you know, you and I are not Trump fans. And as I said at the beginning of the show... I think that we could even see that there was something fishy going on here with the election. And, you know, we don't have all the evidence present on a podcast like this to prove it. I think if that kind of evidence exists, either we would have been gunned down or, you know, <laughs> the media would have buried it. So I don't think it's worthwhile to even bother with that. When we did our episode on voter fraud and electronic voting machines, um, as it was said, like not only can they be hacked, but they were hacked and they continue to be hacked. So, you know, if you can't believe that there's even a probability of voter fraud, uh, that's saying something because, you know, that probability exists in every country that's supposed to be a democracy uh, that will always exist. You know, as Stalin said, it doesn't matter who casts the vote, it's who counts the vote. And so, you know, going back and looking at that, uh, obviously, Voter fraud was one of the biggest things here. Um, but I think overall, it's just that there's a line now in the sand of people who want American values back. You know, they want that concept of freedom and individual liberties back. And a group that who seems to have a lot of money backing and power who want this big centralized government in control of your life and every aspect of your life. And that's where I think the fight is really at right now and what this is about. Um, also, I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but I cannot look at this as some violent insurrection. I don't know how you feel about that, but <laughs> I, for the, the whole time I've just laughed every time they brought up and called this a violent insurrection, it made me laugh. Uh, you know, this wasn't John B Brown's war. This wasn't like the Harper Ferry raid. You know, this was, I don't think anybody showed up with actual weapons that I know of. No, me. they, they didn't actually. Um, and that's. So basically, and I've given this on my show before, but what it amounts to is this. Like, let's just go scorched earth. Let's just be of the absolute worst possible scenario, right? 
let's just say that they went in they, they and like Pelosi and all them were still there. I mean, and like I said, we're going to go scorched earth. It, they kill every government official in the building, right? Let's just say that happens. And, and you know, it, the country doesn't just magically change hands. Like, it, it, you know, it doesn't suddenly mean that Trump gets like, you know, the government, the police, they don't all just turn in Trump and go, oh, well, I guess you're still in charge then. I mean, we're not Klingons. Like, you know, you don't you don't get to like just, you know, take over the government, you know, because you killed whoever else was in charge. Like, it just doesn't work. It's not real. You know, um, you know, and in addition to that, no, they didn't bring any real weapons. They had flagpoles and. That's another reason why it didn't really look very pre-planned. You know, it looked like kind of reactionary. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and speaking of voter fraud, um, you know, it's obviously right now accused of being just a Republican thing. Only Republicans think that voter fraud happens. But uh, this came up recently where a uh, Democrat county supervisor in Hines, Mississippi, is challenging his party's primary election results after discovering massive election fraud says we have videotapes of someone going into boxes bringing in thumb drives bringing in ballots to be inserted into the machine the person he's talking about is the Hines County Democrat Party chair if you watch this presentation it sounds exactly like what happened in the 2020 election the 2022 election in Arizona if democrats are rigging their own primaries imagine what they're doing in the general elections now we've discussed this we know that they're a private party they can do whatever they want in their primaries they proved that to us biden being their nominee proved it um mitt romney and mccain being the nominees in the past have proved that they can rig their primaries or it's i don't even think it's rigged at this point it's just their party their rules i mean you show up at your house neil for a party and you say uh alcohol welcome and then an hour later you say you know what no alcohol nobody can sue you or do anything it's your house your party you say this is my rules i decided that everybody's got alcohol get out and leave um so I mean, it's not even so much rigged as it is their party their rules they do what they want the the problem is is they try to give you the illusion like you have a say in it and i think that's where everybody gets frustrated with that process and we're talking about the primaries of course here and the parties um, but in this case, my point is, is it's not just Republicans who are calling out um, voter fraud and wrongdoing. You know, we've got Democrats here also that have an issue with it. So, you know, take that for what it is. But, hey, you know, again, if you can't think if you can't even imagine that voter fraud is even a probability, I don't know what to say to you. I do want to read this real quick from Axel Wright. January 6th was as close to an insurrection as an army of seven-year-olds with Nerf guns declaring their forge is their own country. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's how I look at it. But if you go on social media, um, obviously everybody who is, uh, I would say, a Biden supporter is parroting that line that it's an, uh, an insurrection. Now, whether they actually believe that or they just feel like they can parrot it long enough to get their candidate to win again, and then don't back off. I don't know, but I just have this feeling that they tend to really think that's what a violent insurrection looks like. And it has to make me laugh because, again, I mean, you would know a violent insurrection when it happened. Oh, well, yeah. In addition to the fact that, like, it, you know, and I remember asking somebody because, like, the people talk about QAnon, there's also Blue Anon. And I, you know, meaning people just believe just absolutely crazy stuff. And I, I have a friend of mine from like from real life is in not on the internet. And I because he was like, well, we did almost have, you a have friends in real life. Yeah, I do. Wow. Um, and he was like, 
well, the border patrol was set to become Trump's like, you know, Gestapo and help him take over the country. And I was like, what? You know, like, and he honestly believed that. Like, and he's, again, he's not a stupid person either, but like that's, they have this whole pipeline about how they thought the whole thing was going to go down. And, you know, and it's crazy to me, but at the end of the day, they, you know, it's, it, it was a day where some bad things happened. I don't support any violent activity, you know, ever. It doesn't help you. The fact, for example, that now we get to listen to them complain about January 6th literally every single day is an example of what violent activism does for your cause. It never helps. It always causes problems. Right. And, you know, and that's why I said, you know, at this point, man, did you ever just walk straight into the Patriot Act? Like, good job. You know, now now we can go ahead and label anybody who has an ideology similar to yours as a domestic terrorist, which is exactly what they're trying to do, you know, it's it, violent activism is always a trap. It, it, it just, it's not just a matter of whether or not it's moral, it's not effective. And social sciences have understood that for a long time. And that's why, for example, the BLM went from 70% approval down to 30% after the riots. You know, it, it doesn't work. So, but the only people it does work for would be authoritarians who want to scare your group of, you know, people into accepting more and more draconian measures to be able to go after people for, you know, for protesting or just holding an ideology that is not friendly to authoritarianism and labeling them as, as terrorists. Do you remember, I think we did an episode about this back in the old North Virginia Patriots show, but like they had a, like there was some kind of police flyer that people had gotten their hands on and it was like to help you identify domestic terrorists yeah, and libertarians. Act. Yeah, and libertarians were listed as, as terrorists. It was Ron Paul supporters, libertarians, um, anybody who had like a bumper sticker or a sign that supported the Constitution and more so the Second Amendment. Right, exactly. And and people with American flags now, like people are going, they're going after people with American flags, you know, and that and that's anybody who has one, by the way, a Bernie supporter showed up at a... Uh, protest once and antifa attacked him like literally made his head bleed and everything they really messed him up um you know but so the point is is that, that anything that looks like patriotism and when you study yuri bezmanov um he was actually interviewed by g edward griffin by the way i don't know if you knew that no, um yeah so g edward griffin oh, actually g. interviewed g. him Griffin. yeah um and he said that um you know that because g edward griffin asked him well what's the solution what do we do about the Soviet subversion in our country. He's like, well, patriotism is the cure, right? So now we need to demonize patriotism as much as possible. <laughs> like, you know, and like, I assume you, you saw the one about the, uh, the kid, for example, who got removed from class for having a don't tread on me flag on his, uh, his backpack. Did you, did you hear about that story? Yeah. Yeah. That just happened a little while ago. And like, uh, and that they played the video and it was so pathetic because the teacher was like, well, we had to remove him because that's a symbol for slavery. It's like, <laughs> what? It was like, that was like the first colonial flag. Like, what are you talking about? You know, I was I, just like, I actually saw people on the left on Twitter defend the kid. And I was surprised about that. Like they had to correct the teacher. Like, no, this was not about slavery. Well, no. Well, we had a don't tread on me flag at Occupy Flint literally hanging and flying when it was, you know, it was appropriate to fly it. Like that's, right. it's, it's not a right or a left thing. It's a Liberty thing. Like, you know, that means don't tread on me. Don't tread on my rights, you know? So anyway, yeah. so you want to go ahead and get into what you brought up. 
Yeah. So again, we talked um, Dominic Pizzola, Joseph Biggs, Ethan Nordine, Zachary Rail, 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 and Enrique Torrio um, are the five Proud Boys. Three of them have already been um, sentenced, and two of them will be uh, sentenced. Um, Ethan Nordine was one of the five members convicted of spearheading an attack, as the article words it, spearheading an attack on the U.S. Capitol to try to present peaceful transfer of power from John, Donald Trump to Joe Biden after the 2020 election. Uh, he is the undisputed leader on the ground of January 6th, said uh, Prosecutor Jason McAuliffe. Um, the Seattle area chapter president was one of two Proud Boys sentenced Friday. Dominic Pizzola was convicted of smashing a window at the U.S. Capitol in the building's first breach on January 6th. He defiantly raised a fist and declared Trump won as he walked out of the courtroom after being sentenced to 10 years in prison, also among the longest sentence in the January 6th attack. Now, I guess the record or the longest sentence goes to here, Stuart Rhodes. Uh, I don't know if you remember him from the Ron Paul days, Neil, do you? He was a pretty big deal back 2008 to 2012, Stuart Rhodes. I think I've heard the name before, but I don't remember who it is. He started the uh, group The Oath Keepers. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and, you know, back then, I mean, I, I didn't follow it. I know who he was, um, and I didn't follow The Oath Keepers. But back then, they were not labeled as some far-right extremist group. But again, most people don't understand libertarianism. So if you're not um, left center, if you're not left or in the center, you're either right or far right. You know, that's what you get labeled. Well, no, it's worse than that. If you're not in the upper left hand corner, you're you're far right. Because somehow people can vote for Bernie Sanders and still be far right. Tulsi Gabbard is still so, somehow far right to them. Somehow far right. Joe Rogan is somehow far right to them. You know, it's it's it's, it's a tiny little cult and you ain't in it. Right. Anyway, go ahead. So Stuart Rhodes got 18 years, but that happened a while ago. So he's not part of this uh, sentencing. Um, so, and these guys were sentenced on uh, sedition, seditious conspiracy was the charge. So it wasn't like assault. They didn't, they weren't sentenced based on a charge of assault. Obviously murder wasn't one of the charges. Um, B and E, they didn't, nobody talked about breaking and entering as one of the charges here. Uh, so, um, for his own part, the 33-year-old, I lost my place here. So we are at, we had Stuart Rhodes, Nordine's words online pro posting uh, grew increasingly violent leading up to January 6th. On the day he led the group of nearly 200 men towards the Capitol, then moved to the front of the mob and helped tear down a fence, allowing rioters and protesters onto the ground to confront the, the police, according to court documents. I want to point out that um, this whole protest, this whole organization they actually had their permits pulled they did it the legal way they they pulled the right permits and had permission to do these uh what was supposed to be you know a rally at, the, at right. this place and um we me and you know several others did the um, revolution march in washington dc so i can tell you about the process of pulling permits for a rally when you want to use the capitol grounds um since we started our march at one place and ended it at another, just like these guys did. You have to go through the DC police. You have to get their, you have to pay for it too. You have to pay for the cops who stop the traffic um, to allow you to walk down the road as part of your rally and protest of whatever you're doing. You have to pay for your permit. Um, there's a lot of things that you have to pay for uh, on there. You have to have porta potty set up there 
Um, I believe back then you had to have one for every hundred um, people that you thought were going to be at your rally. Uh, maybe one <laughs> right. for every thousand. I forget the actual numbers. So they actually pulled the permits. They didn't just show up there all of a sudden and just start this process. They did pull the permits. It's never mentioned in the news anywhere, by the way. Okay. Um, so who else? Pizzola um, said, they say Pizzola took the off um, officer's riot shield and used it to smash the window, allowing rioters to make a breach into the Capitol. And he later filmed a celebratory video with the cigar inside, with the cigar inside, prosecutor said he was a recent Proud Boy recruit. However, and a jury acquitted him of seditious conspiracy. He was convicted of other serious charges, and prosecutors had asked for twenty years. Now, the Department of Justice um, and the prosecutors were asking the judge to give these guys a lot more sentence than the judge gave them, and it's not a surprise that the government wants to punish you as much as possible if they think you're against them. But the right. judge. You know, for for the time that these guys got, the judge was saying that he backed down from what he was being asked to give them. Okay. Right. So um, moving on, this article actually sucks. I wish I would have found a better one because this isn't fun to read. But what we'll do here um, as we move into this. So right now, Dominic Pozzola got 10 years. Zachary Rayo got 15 years. And Joseph Biggs got 17 years. Okay. Um, now this is a Twitter post and this is what I've been finding from the left on social media. Uh, it says, if you, I wonder if the proud boys are proud now goes over the prison sentence. And it says, this is Brian Krasenstein. I think, you know, he is, you comment on some of his Twitter, um, make no mistake about it. These are bad people. They were convicted by juries of their peer for crimes, which have maximum sentencing guidelines in the decades. I support law and order, which includes people who commit crimes are convicted of those crimes and are sentenced for those crimes or having to serve the time they are sentenced to. You can pretend that I am a bad person for supporting law and order, but it's usually the bad people who do not support law and order. Uh, John Cooper goes on to say, Proud Boy leader Joe Biggs called into Alex Jones' Infowars show last night to complain about his 17-year prison sentence. Uh, Joseph Biggs ha was a, a producer or something for Alex Jones. I forget exactly an editor. He, he did something with Alex Jones before this and he used, you know, Alex Jones a lot to help promote the proud boys. But, uh, he called into Alex Jones show saying his main hope is for Trump to win the election in 2024. I know he'll pardon me. I believe that with all my heart. Biggs also complained about the quality of prison food. He then asked people to send money to help support his family, whining that the government took away his military pension as part of his sentence. Boo fucking who? Am I right? So right. this is, um, um, sorry, I guess the screen share wasn't working on this. I apologize, people. Um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but anyway, there are screenshots here. Um, so that's what the left is saying. Now, a couple libertarians came out. Um, Hannah Cox, who does the podcast based, um, she commented on Brian Krasenstein's post and says, if you think nonviolent people should be locked in a cage and abused for over a decade because you don't like their politics, you are an evil person. Get help. The, res the correct response here is that this is inhumanity shouldn't happen to anyone. Um, and then Dave Smith, the other libertarian comedian, goes on and says, it is insane and so, so downright evil to cheer a 15-plus-year sentence for anything other than murder, rape, horrific assault, child abuse. So 
I, I mean, I take the position of Hannah and Dave here. I feel that this 10, uh, 15, and 17-year sentence is way extreme. There's a nonviolent crime from everything that I've seen here, um, and that there's no way that they should have that long of punishments. And I think, again, this is the government trying to make example out of people um, when it comes to that. What do you think? Well, I think it's interesting that at the same time, you know, as I, as I pointed out, um, Antifa says they're trying to overthrow the government. And somehow they get cycled in and out of prison, usually, well, like prison. They're, they're frequently released and rearrested sometimes in the middle of riots and then released again. Like that happens in some municipalities in the United States. Um, and there's no way that the FBI doesn't know it because Antifa's not really careful about telling people that that's their intention. Didn't Antifa um, have a riot in D.C. about Donald Trump and burn a church yeah, or something? Yeah, we, we talked. Yeah, that was actually when um when Donald Trump got elected, they showed up and did all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, as um you know, as Wizzy's pointing out, I'd love to see Brian say the same about the violence that's gone unanswered from the BLM activists. He's not talking about you. He's talking about the person you were reading from. You know, uh, but the the point is, is that there's definitely a weird double standard about this sort of thing. And, you know, I, it's it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the upcoming election, because they're obviously so desperate that, you know, to try to prevent Trump from being eligible, that they're doing everything in their power. You know, and ironically, that reminds me of the people who were like obsessed with trying to suggest that Barack Obama, you know, didn't have a proper birth certificate or something. It's like right. it just win the frickin election. You know, like if the only way you can stop Barack Obama is to bring up whether or not he was born in Kenya, you know, then I you need to work on your policies because <laughs> people didn't vote for Barack Obama because he was born in Kenya. They voted for him because of the policies that he claimed that he was advocating for. Right. Um, you know, and the same thing goes with this. It's like if you're trying to disqualify Trump, you know, just by never endingly trying to charge him for crimes over and over again, you know, if they don't if it doesn't work out for them, that's the funny thing. You know, with the way the Trump movement works, you know, all they're really going to do is galvanize his, his support um, and make him essentially more powerful. It's like Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Well, the media claims, um, and I guess some of the posts were taken down, that, that Biggs particularly had blog posts and videos where he basically said after January 6th, uh, get your guns out and clean them, buy more ammo, buy story, uh, uh, survival food. Um, there's a civil war coming. Things are going to get worse before they get better. And when you watch the left report this, they report it like saying something like that is the be all end all to prove that this guy was some violent person who was there at the Capitol to commit violence. Um, I feel like this is a sediment amongst a lot of people not just Trump supporters that, you know, at some point things are going to go down in this country. And, you know, I think in some ways that they're trying to incite people, you know, you just talked about that. I think that's part of the plan that they, they, they want things to go down. They want the unrest. They use unrest to usually try to get more control. You squash the uprising and now you have more control. You can violate, you can, you can get rid of the constitution at that point, you can say, see, this document here didn't do shit, so we don't need it, tearing it up. Um, and all you people who had guns, you're a violent insurrectionist, and now you got to go to camps and nobody can own guns. And, you know, everything that they'll do 
if if they were to ever come out of that on top. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's part of their strategy is to incite the Trump supporters and to get them riled up. Well, when it comes to when an authoritarian thing happens, there's usually some way to try to get consent, you know, from the people in question. You know, I mean, I made a Star Wars quote earlier. That was the whole plot of the emperor was to get everybody to go along with the idea. Well, we shouldn't have this democracy. We should have a, you know, a galactic empire for a safe and secure future. You know, it's and it's the same nonsense. Like one of the things I remember during the course of the BLM riots was that moderate Republican friends of mine, like people who maybe voted Republican but really had no other involvement, who would have been aghast at the notion that we should just round up protesters and send them to some like Guantanamo kind of place. Over the course of watching all the rioting and the Chaz Chop and the burning and all that stuff, those people were slowly getting radicalized to the idea of, you know what, we should just have a government crackdown, round all those people up and send them somewhere. You know, that's the effect that this essentially has. And then, you know, especially because, you know, um, if they can get the right to go ahead and do the same sort of things, you know, then you're going to have people more comfortable with the idea of arresting them, you know, and throwing them in secret prisons. That was one of the things that they would keep trying to do over and over again. Like we used to cover this all the time in North Virginia Patriots was like the Patriot Act was bad enough on its own. There were other things that they wanted in it that would have been far worse, you know, so they would try to sneak them in into like other, you know, uh, legislation like the Military Commissions Act, you know, like they would try to or in like budget proposals. They would try to put, quote unquote, anti-terrorist, you know, stuff in there that would allow them to do this or that. And it's like there's still plenty of stuff in the Patriot Act that's active now. If I remember right, for example, like we read over it on an old episode where we read the part where that gave the executive, meaning the president, the power to declare someone a terrorist without any due process to be able to take like basically to be able to seize their property. Like that was all in the Patriot Act. Right. You know, that, you know, and that's before we even get into any of this other stuff. And that's why I tell people it's like, you know, the, the problem with the whole civil war dialogue. OK, and I say this as somebody who did get armed because I am concerned about unrest, is that we can't have a civil war in the way that people understand what a civil war is supposed to be. The, our situation in this country doesn't really um doesn't really account for that because we don't have states that are just entirely on one side of the issue or another, right? There's no lines to be drawn. Every state in the union has a division of half, well, not necessarily half, obviously some are more blue, some are more red, you know, but they all have citizens of both, of both persuasions. Like, I think what will end up happening is not going to be a civil war. I think that they're going to try to goad the right you know, into becoming terrorists and then, you know, and then, and then be able to then as a consequence, declare anybody who's pro constitution, pro freedom, pro just like we saw back in the Ron Paul days, that police report suggesting that if you were a Ron Paul supporter, you might be a terrorist, right? You know, and then the left has been essentially falling on their sword about this too, you know, um, because now, you know, anything that might've been associated with anything that Bernie or any other, you know, leftists who at least tried to say they gave a crap is also going to be associated with violent, you know, activism. And there's plenty of evidence laying around for that. Right. You know, um, and I that's why I th say people need to be mindful that you're being provoked. You're being provoked. That's what all of this is. They want you to go do something. 
And that's why whenever one of these incidents happens, you notice that the like the, the mass shootings, that the media just shows up and immediately goes, oh, oh God, I, I hope it's a white guy and a conservative. Oh, that would be great. Oh, oh, wait, wait. You mean it was a black man who drove his car into the Christmas parade and he had a bunch of anti-white, you know, black supremacist stuff on his Facebook? Oh, well, yeah, we better never talk about that again. But right. the Buffalo shooter, you know, was he identified in his own manifesto as a left authoritarian. Now, he was racist. He was definitely racist, and he was definitely a nationalist, but he wasn't a conservative. And Rolling Stone went out with an article saying he's not a lone wolf gunman. He's a, a mainstream Republican, which was just a fabrication. It was a total lie, right? You know, the, the, they're hoping for it, folks. They, they need another 9-11 kind of thing to be the way to convince everybody that maybe you don't need as many liberties as you need safety. And they did that. They were very close to successful with that with COVID um, for sure. You know, and again, I think you've answered the question, but you, you definitely don't feel that these, the, the sentences that these guys got were, was fair or just that they should not be sentenced for that long. Uh, I guess my question to you would be how long should they have been sentenced for if at all? Honestly, I mean, it. I didn't look really closely at what the individuals did. You know, when uh, um, when the QAnon shaman got was going to be put away for years, that guy didn't do anything to deserve to be put away for years. Four you know, years. Like, I, I mean, it's honestly, I don't even. It, like, you could arrest him, but I mean, you're talking about what community service or something. I mean, like, if you if you just took the rest of the riot out of the situation and just evaluated him on his own. What did he do? He walked into a building, sat at Nancy Pelosi's desk. He was escorted. He was allowed it. Well, right. You know, that, that's true, too. Yes, the police escorted him. My point is, is that even if you were to try to frame it as entirely just, let's just say he did everything that he did. What are you talking about there? You know, misdemeanor? I, I mean, I don't know the laws. The point is, is that I don't think he should have been put away forever. You know, <laughs> like I said, maybe some probation, you know, there... but he wasn't some violent extremist. When I was doing research for today's show, going back to some of the old news from that, there were people who, on the left particularly, who were calling for him to be shot. Like, you know, he he committed treason. He should have been shot. Like, I mean, I can't. Oh, well, believe. yeah, and and they defend uh, Ashley Babbitt's being executed by cops. They defend it all the time. Right. Exactly. Um, I looking into this, you know, breaking the window of the Capitol and climbing in in any normal case without bunch of protesters there you would be sentenced given something my guess is not even a year in prison you'd probably be given some kind of probation and community service for doing something like that without all those protesters there add all the protesters there i don't think it adds should add any more to the sentence or the punishment um clearly they you know the one guy was shown breaking the window i guess that was actually on video the other guy right. i you know, aside from showing up and being the the leaders of this and and getting the people to rally there, I haven't seen what they actually did. I mean, there there hasn't been any evidence that I've seen where they actually did. And that's what's surprising me about everybody on the left's reaction, like cheering and treating them like, yeah, you go, you get your 15 years. And I'm like, for what? Uh, <laughs> you know, and their response is like violent insurrection. I was like, who did they beat? Who did they kick? Who did they? What did they do? Did they grab a baseball? No, man, they stormed the Capitol. And I was like, 
you know, a thousand other people did too. Why are these guys getting 15 years and nobody else? And is that really a 15 year punishment? No, man, it should have been worse. It's like, wow. Did, did you ever look into the, cause I know like you were, you, you were new to some of this, but like the Ray Epps guy who was a just in the crowd tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Right. And he's never been arrested. He's never been, you know, like they say he's not a fed, but like he literally was absolutely inciting them to go do that. And the funny thing is even the crowd smelled it and they started cheering, you know, chanting at him, fed, 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 because it was so obvious, you know, but again, um, there's a funny moment where I think it was Cruz was talking to the FBI director about January 6th. And he asked him a bunch of pointed questions. Like, can you tell me how many agents were present in the crowd? You know, like just different stuff like that. And the FBI, you know, um, person kept saying, I can't answer that. I can't answer that. I can't answer that. You know, which indicates, well, yeah, they were definitely there. Right. You know, and then you get the Gretchen Whitmer cat kidnapping. It's the same thing, you know. So whereas an agents essentially said, hey, why don't we go kidnap the governor? Right. You know, so that's why I'm telling the right. This is a very important time for you guys to use restraint and be extremely cautious with anyone that is suggesting anything to you that is untoward. And the reality is this. There's, we don't really live in a world anymore where you could have some kind of a violent revolution unless you had the full support of the military and the police. Well, the it, it, there's really no way to make it work anymore. We don't live in Minutemen days. What were you going to say, Brian? Yeah, the amount of underground operation you would need to pull that off before the federal agencies came in and raided your operation um, to get that many people behind you and in support of it um, and get away with it before you were raided would be very, that's a logistical nightmare. Well, right. And we don't, we also just don't live in that world anymore. Like it's, the this the technology that allows people to, you know, I mean, surveillance technology, all of that stuff is so much more powerful than it used to be, you know, that even trying to lodge something like, say, the French resistance would be extremely hard, like basically impossible, really, you know, in a world where people's cell phones are, you know, are spying on them the whole time, you know, like uh, all the different stuff that Snowden revealed and such. And so I'm not saying you know, if the if the country turns fascist and evil, that you just lay down and take it. What I'm getting at, though, is, is that you've got to remember that for them to succeed in their goal, they have to get the support of the common people. And the best way for them to go about doing that is to demonize anybody who opposes them. And if you give them anything to justify that, and this is the reason, for example, why when we were at Occupy, we always did press conferences after Antifa and BAM, which is basically the militant, more or less the, the equivalent of the violent BLM movement that you see now, which not all BLM people are violent, just so we're clear, but BAM basically sounds exactly like the violent militants that you see now. Um, but anyway, like they tried to stop me when I passed a resolution at Occupy Detroit that we would denounce all violence because they want violence. You know, they, they think this is their opportunity. And it's just a ridiculous, you know, fantasy. It's just as bad when Antifa, like I remember arguing with an Antifa guy once who said that he's been fighting the most militarized police, you know, in history. And I'm like, bro, you're throwing bottles at people with guns who have been ordered not to shoot you. I'm like, 
you're you're not a violent insurrectionist, you know, but they are deluded into believing that they are. That's that's what's messed up. So that's why I said it's like, yes, by all means, arm yourself, get anything you need to protect your family, but do not give in to this because it's a trap. They're come they are hoping you'll get violent. They're right. they're begging you to. I, I have a natural thing that when I don't know too much about something, I just see what other libertarians are saying on social media. And I'm like, well, that must be it. That, that's good enough for me. Uh, and that started off this way with these guys that were sentenced um, recently. At first, I saw all the left cheering it. Uh, the right was somewhat quiet, just like, damn, man, that's harsh. And the libertarians are the ones who came out and said, you know, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I was like, yeah, yeah, what they said. <laughs> and then, of course, I started looking into it doing the research for this show. And, you know, again, libertarians usually have it right. Um, very rarely do they have it wrong. They pay attention, I think, to the details a lot more than than most of the average voters on both sides, the left and the right. And they generally obviously look at it from the, the point of view that I like to look at it from, which is a, um, a pro-liberty, a pro-freedom point of view and what the role of the government should be and and how and when the government should be punishing its citizens uh those kind of things and you know we have a lot of people in this country in jail for nonviolent offenses for victimless crimes and there's you know the right has long supported the war on drugs and locking people up for doing drugs um, you know, you, you often see the news, the news, even the left leaning news still supports it. Like when they report somebody got caught with like a pound of marijuana or a kilo of cocaine, they talk about it as if this is like the worst thing ever somebody could do in life is to walk around with that amount of drugs on them. They don't mention that nobody was hurt, killed, or otherwise affected by it. This guy was just walking around with it. You know, when I say walking around, I don't mean literally walking around, right. but, um, you know, throughout that, we have when you look at the war on drugs, it's created a lot of people in jail for nonviolent um, crimes, for victimless crimes. Um, you, they've got the war on poverty. They've got the war um, on terror, which is now includes domestic um, people. And, you know, the government has this constant war going on everywhere, a war on this and a war on that. And, you know, they have civil asset forfeiture where basically they the cops can take your money or your stuff and then you don't necessarily get it back ever. You know, if you're traveling down the road with 10 grand in your trunk and get pulled over and you're in certain states and the cops just confiscate it. It's theirs. And right. so when I say that these things that are going on with like January 6th and this country uh, as a whole, it's obviously a lot deeper than just Donald Trump. And that's been my point. I think everybody wants to paint it as you're just a MAGA supporter. Oh, you're just a stupid, you know, you're just sitting there admiring Donald Trump. And I think there's a lot more deeper frustration than that in America. And things like January 6th reflect that. Um, you know, again, anybody who's showing up saying freedom, we love freedom, go America. And they're labeled as the bad person. Uh, they're labeled as the rioter or the, the terrorist. That's scary because that's that's the antithesis of America and what we're supposed to be. When you show up and scream freedom, everybody's supposed to cheer and say what that guy said, you know, right. not lock him up for 15 years. So, you know, I think there's just 
it's as I said, it's there's so much deeper going on in this country. We're not the land of the free like we claim to be. And and so people are feeling it. They want to be patriotic. They want to look at that flag and salute it and say, you know, that's my country. But all this bullshit that's going on is just driving them nuts and driving them to this point of wanting change at any cost. And you have the right to petition your governments for uh, grievances, redress of grievances. The question is, what happens when you petition that government with your grievances and they don't respond to it? They laugh at you. They send you away. Do you walk home and just say, oh, well, I tried? Or what do you do next? And I think January 6th was a result of what happened next. Well, and they also, they felt that, you know, again, they they honestly believed that the election was being stolen from them so that at that point, any authority that was opposing them would therefore be illegitimate. That's the situation, the dicey situation that turns up anytime you essentially have treason going on, sedition going on, is it's really going to come down to, well, who won? You know, like that's, but again, you know, the, the thing that come that occurs to me and that I would tell the audience is, you know, can you imagine like what our political situation would be if January 6th had not happened? Like, what would they be talking about at that point? Yeah, because the left would have nothing you know, to say on Twitter. They would just say well, MAGA well, sucks, MAGA sucks. Right. Well, that's the <laughs> thing that um I, I usually point out to people is that if you bring up the January 20, you know, I'm sorry, the, the, the 2020 riots, the, the whole freaking summer of them, right? Over 600 riots in one year. Then they'll say, well, you're, that's a whataboutism. I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> that happened first. <laughs> and it happened a lot. And it, it went on for months, right? Your obsession with a single day of violent protest, that's the whataboutism. You know, th th at that point, you just look ridiculous. Right. It, it's like, you're obsessed with this one day of of unrest, but you had nothing to say about the 600 riots in 2020. You know, and that's not a number I just made up. That that's real. Like the statistics are there, and you know, so and that's why I said, you know, at that point, essentially, the the right took a huge hit by giving in to you know, and basically giving up their position of being the ones that were for law and order and civility and all of that. You know, um, and I hope that people learn from it, you know, and again, you know, I'm right there with everyone else. Like I said, arm yourself, be ready to protect your family, you know, but very carefully consider what you're doing. And if somebody's suggesting to you something ridiculous, like, say, kidnap Governor Whitmer, like, what did they think they were going to get out of that? Right. But was there any end game for that that, that would have been beneficial? Do you think it would have changed anything in the state of Michigan? And I say that as somebody who lives here, right? You know, so use your freaking brain, right? Like, what are you thinking? Like, what are you going to accomplish? Even if you had succeeded, what are you going to accomplish? Like, that, that's why I said to people, it's like, the people ask me, it's like, well, you know, how can you use the V for Vendetta moniker? Now, that guy was a revolutionary. I'm like, yeah, when you're in a real, absolute fascist situation and there's no other choice, then by all means, right? But in the meantime, don't volunteer yourself to become the example that they give other people when they're justifying taking away your civil liberties. Um, yeah, you lead me to the bliss says they can't stand Antifa, BLM, or the January 6th rioters. They all need to be held accountable. Um, I can't stand the rioters either. But again, um, look at 
what we're saying here that people are are getting fed up with stuff. Police brutality right. has been the cause of Antifa and BLM, or at least th- that's what they're claiming. And police brutality is something that does happen. You know, it's it's in this country and it needs to be addressed. I don't feel like the rioters need to be held accountable as much as the government does. And I think the rioters are a reflection of frustration that the government isn't being held accountable. And so, I mean, when I read comments like that, like hold these people accountable, um, are, are you suggesting that we don't hold the government accountable, that the government can just go in and arrest and incarcerate whoever they want for whatever they want? And that's fine. Um, again, I'm not supportive of, of Antifa or BLM, or at least that they what they've turned out to be. Um, you know, if, if the whole cause was really to bring light to police brutality, I'm all for that. Bring light to it and let's come up with a, a good solution for it. Uh, rioting in the streets and burning down neighborhoods is not a good solution. And it never was, as we've talked about before. Like since the Rodney King, when I was young, I never understood that. And, you know, what would be different if they did go in, you know, whether you look at Rodney King or some of the other police brutality incidents, and instead of burning down their neighborhoods, they went and stormed the um, the police station. You know, <laughs> would there be change then? You know, like you said, what, what do you accomplish by kidnapping the governor? Um, but you don't accomplish anything by burning down your neighborhood either. And yeah, the, I think the difference between January 6th rioters and the BLM Antifa, particularly in like Kenosha, is the January 6th weren't busting up personal property. They weren't burning private property. Um, or or breaking the jaws of elderly men who were trying to put out the fire they set in you know, in his furniture store. Right, exactly. So I think there's differences there. But at the end of the day, um, I'm not against people being upset at their government and protesting it and and being angry about that. If there's a reason to be angry at your government, speak up and speak up in the numbers. I think the government needs to be held a lot more accountable than the people do, uh, particularly in a lot of the stuff that we just talked about throughout this show. And as I said, I mean, that's why the music of people like Tom McDonald and Oliver Anthony is starting to get those kind of views. These are independent musicians who are rocking it, you know, and they're, they're, they're saying a message that really resonates with people. And that message is we're being fucked. <laughs> you know, that's well, the right. Message. And, you know, and fuck around and find out trying that in a small town. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. guess I could have added that. But, to but it. I do I do want to make a clarification, you know, because in general, I I am anti-police brutality, but I'm not anti-police. Um, but it comes from the perspective of the fact that I actually know a lot of police and had a long time talking to them. You know, when I worked at a rest, I worked actually at a gas station. It was open 24 hours. And when you live in a town where there's nothing going on, the cops will get bored. And, you know, so they'll show up and talk to you. So you get a lot of perspective about what where they're coming from. And unfortunately, they have a job that it's not very easy to do like and pull off well, and keep everybody make it hard. Well, right. And well, yeah. And it's just in the, the policy of the progressive left right now of this whole, well, let's just let everybody back out on the street. You know, we should just get rid of prisons and bail, you know, and then they want to abolish the police, but they haven't done anything to actually address the real problem in those communities, and I say this as someone who used to, you know, basically grew up in a, in the ghetto. You would call the cops. It would take them an hour to get to you when you live in these defunded cities. Yes. The, the violence of police is the least of your worries. 
it was the violence of the organized gang element. And they're only getting worse. Like, you know, we think we have a bad here. Like, you know, what's going on? I think it was El Salvador where the government just finally said, all right, that's enough. Because the, the cartel will quite happily show up and fill the power vacuum, I might add. Um, you know, just got to a point where they were just outright murdering people on the street randomly, like like they're the fucking Joker or something from a DC comic, right? Just randomly killing people, and the government finally said, "All right, well, um, yeah, that's that's enough of that," and they had to actually massively, like, you know, um, mobilize to go after that that cartel. People tend to forget that, you know, yes, police brutality sucks, but violent criminals also suck. And there's a hell of a lot more of them than there are bad cops, you know, by an enormous margin. They say an armed society is a polite society. Obviously, more people need to arm up and be trained, not just have them, but be trained on them. Um, yeah. You know, the thing is, is that solutions can pre be presented for a lot of this stuff, whether it be police brutality or anything else. And most of the time, people don't want to hear any solutions. Um, you know, right now... Um, on a separate conversation, but you know, it's still out there because it's part of social media and the world, you know, another mass shooter happened recently. Uh, and again, the call for banning assault rifles was out there, you know, and everybody said the whole left is if you're a Republican, you hate kids and you, you put guns over kids. And so, you know, on a social media debate on Twitter, got in the debate because somebody wanted to know how, you know, you would keep the schools safe. And the person on the left wouldn't answer the question. Their their answer was ban assault weapons, as if that would, that's it. That's all you have to do. And all of a sudden, mass shootings and kids would stop dying of gun violence. Um, you know, obviously, one, facts have to be presented with real facts, not people with agenda. So whether you're talking about police brutality, um, mass shooters, uh, election fraud, anything like that, real facts have to be out there. The news media, all that really should be presenting real facts. They don't. But when you present solutions, and in this case, you know, my solution was, um, as an example, I don't believe that we need the TSA for airport security. I think each airline should decide their own security and what they want and how they want to handle it. And so I took that same concept over the schools, let the schools decide their security. School A might want to send teachers through training and have the teachers be armed. School B might want to have armed security um, hired and brought over there. School C might want to have both the teachers be armed and armed security. Uh, and school D might just want to put up um, certain levels of entry points to where you can't get in unless you're buzzed in and have the reason to be there and so on and so on. Um, now I presented this argument and the, the people on the left response back was your normal um, well, you didn't really present anything that's real because schools can't afford it and you just don't want to get rid of your guns because you hate kids. No, it, none of that is ever rational. And honestly, you know, like, for example, there were a couple of um, people who showed up during the Rittenhouse trial who had AR-15s. It was uh, a black man and his daughter. And people were like, well, I'm sure that freaked you guys. I'm like, no, doesn't bother me at all. Probably a good idea. You have no idea what's going to happen outside that trial. You know, they, they actually honestly believe that we think that maybe there's some citizens who shouldn't be allowed to have them. You know, for me, like I've said, we've talked about it, like possibly people who have demonstrated severe mental illness. But really, other than that, I'm kind of a do not be infringed kind of guy. And, you know, it's like I, I've mentioned this to you in conversation before is like when you watch Westerns, you know, 
like you said, armed society is a polite society. How far would somebody get if they just showed up at Tombstone with a rifle and just started shooting everybody? You know, not very far. Right, they'd be dead as fried chickens, chicken in about three seconds. You know? Right. It, we, and, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we tend to blame we blame the gun and not the the shooters. Um, we we blame the cop and not the policies. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. we sit there and we say, you know, bad cop, bad cop. We don't blame that the politician has asked them to do all these things that they shouldn't be doing in a free society. Um, you know, you looked at the same thing when it comes to sports and the NFL, like the rep, there's so many rules and the refs have so many little distinctions on what qualifies as this or that. And what happens is a bad call happens and we blame the ref. We don't blame the NFL for making a bad rule where it's hard to interpret and, you know, it could be open for interpretation depending on this ref or that sure. ref. And you have yeah, we see that in wrestling all the time, actually. International right. wrestling is terrible. And you see it, that in it, law enforcement. I mean, you know, it's the, most of the cops don't even know all the laws or know them themselves. You, you know, you see these auditor videos now where everybody's correcting the cops. You know, the cop coming up and saying, you can't film here. And, you know, the person saying, of course I can. This has already been covered between Supreme Court and everywhere else. You know, if it's a public place, public sidewalk, I can stand here and record. And the cop still wants to exhort power and argue with them. Um, this is a matter of bad policies where they've just got too many rules and too much to think about and they don't know how to interpret it all um, or follow, not follow them all, but they just, they don't know them all themselves. And, you know, it's the same thing with the guns. It's so easy to blame the scary AR 15 for something, even though when you look at the statistics, it's handguns that are more involved in uh, the crime than, than uh, the rifle. Um, and so, you know, you go over to these January six rioters, which is a whole, what this show is about. And it's just real easy to blame it on Trump only. And, you know, it's just about Trump and extreme MAGA supporters and not look at the deep rooted cause of how people are feeling in this country right now, particularly when it comes to elections and voting for voter fraud. And even on the, well, even on the left side of that, like I remember very distinctly Andrew Yang during one of the Democratic primary debates saying, you guys need to understand that your problem is not Donald Trump. Your problem is what happened to people to put them in a position where they wanted somebody like Donald Trump. Like your problem is not, if you think that you can just get rid of Donald Trump and all your problems go away, then you don't really understand what's going on. And he, during the course of him getting prepared for his campaign, he traveled all over the country talking to different people and that's how he got a handle on it. But they don't really care about the people. You know? And again, like we mentioned earlier, I think the big reason why they wanted to be rid of Trump was war. And they, if, he had, if he had given them all the wars they wanted, they probably would have just not had any problem with them at all. Were we, right. we going to read that? Um, no, I just threw it up there while we talk so people can still yeah. see and everything. You but know, yeah, I'll read so. it. You know, I'll put it back up there. You know, the, the history no, I was of, just wondering if that's yeah, THX1138, the history of policing in the U.S., it has nothing to do with protecting the public. It's bringing order to disorder, according to the tycoons of industry whose idea it was. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for that, and there's a lot of truth in that when you look at it. When you look at um, what the news said about the January 6th people that got um, the sentencing, it, they kept saying, well, they had intent. They had intent to do violence. They had intent to commit a crime. You can't punish somebody for 15 years because you believe they had intent. 
And our law enforcement works the same way with a lot of the traffic laws that are out there, you know, and it's usually mm-hmm. under, you know, we're doing it to keep you safe. You know, you, you did this, you had intent. Um, you know, obviously if you drove faster than the speed limit, you, your intent was to hurt somebody. Um, you can't do it that way. That's not how it works. You can't punish somebody for victimless crimes. And that is the nature of most policing right now. There's a lot of victimless crime that goes on. You think about a California stop because you didn't stop for five seconds. You rolled through. Um, it doesn't matter if you can clearly see every angle and see that nobody else was even at the stop sign. You didn't stop. So we have the right to um, take your money, give you a fine and take your money. Um this causes discontent. This causes people to be pissed. Nobody wants to lose 150 plus dollars because they didn't hurt anybody or do anything wrong, you know? So yeah, I mean, I have to agree with that, that the policing isn't really about your protection and keeping you safe. Um, it's more about well, money and, and well, power. what I would say, well, what I would say is, is that unless you can present, you know, because again, like Fresco, most anarcho-communists, for example, they're all anti-cop too, but Fresco points out that society has to evolve past the need for them. And they have to give some kind of reliable answer as to what they're going to suggest to replace them. Antifa is stupid enough to believe that they are going to replace the cops, that they are going to be able to fight the cartel. Right. And, you know, you, you need to have some kind of plan in place for what's going to take over. And I, and I don't agree with, obviously, all of the um, the anarcho-capitalist solutions of like, well, we'll just all buy our private security and stuff like that. I don't think that that would work. you know. But I also don't think that a big group of kids wearing black hoodies you know, who think they're tough because, again, they throw bottles at cops have been ordered not to shoot them is going to be the solution to MS-13 you know, or the other violent gangs that will happily try to take over this country if we didn't have a police force. You know, is there going to be reform? You know, obviously, yes, everybody up to and including the police themselves that I've talked to would love to have reform. Um, the There was actually a couple of really great links that I used to give out. One of them was Jocko Wilnick on um, Joe Rogan. And for those of you who don't know who he is, Jocko was a Navy SEAL. And he pointed out that, you know, police should be probably spending about 30% of their time on training all the time. Um, there's no money for that in any way that any of these police are actually um, set up, right? And then um, well, he, we always he brought up a different... There's no money for stuff. That was brought up with protecting the kids with security at school. There's no money. That just means mm-hmm. we don't want to address the abuse of money, the mishandling of money, the amount of money that is spent i mean the pentagon loses billions of dollars it becomes a news right, well, right, Pentagon okay, well, has replaced a separate separate rabbit hole it's a separate rabbit hole let, let me finish my point well the money's if there you want police right. that can if police but, but it, you know that's just it though it's not a priority to the people who usually run these things which is why people if you want police reform instead of burning down your cities maybe you should vote for sheriff maybe you should actually care about that election that was set up that way for a reason you want to change policies, put pressure on your mayor when you're when they're appointing chief of police. Like those are the systems that are in place that nobody's even using. Well, I but agree. Point, I, mean, I would I would I would right. say 100 percent. I agree with that. Um, so then you and you couple that with, you know, and again, just let me finish here. So like he Jocko went over in detail about the different things that would need to change about the way that police are trained, how their training is maintained, which it usually is not at all. 
And then Joe Rogan had on another guest who's literally a police psychologist and her whole job is to teach police, first of all, psychological de-escalation tactics, but also to help them with their trauma. And she pointed out that she usually only gets to talk to officers maybe 30 minutes a year, like each precinct, because they don't prioritize that, you know. So as a consequence, you get these cops, they're in a profession that fucks people up. Like, even if they were good cops, it doesn't, it, it's not, it's a profession that does real changes to your body and the way it works, particularly the constantly being up on adrenaline, for example. It's the same reason why so many people come back from war and they have a hard time dealing with civilian life, right? So then, you know, we, well, then we defund them so there's less of them. So now they're all working overtime, which just makes this problem even worse, right? You know, so I understand where you're coming from. Obviously, you know, you're an anarchist libertarian. What I'm getting at is, is that you need to have a plan in place to be able to deal with what will inevitably happen. You know, if you, you can't just throw a lever, I guess would be the point and go, oh, that well, was my point as well. I mean, with all the other yeah. solutions, you can't throw a, a lever and do it, but you've got to address things down to the core and not just blanketly say, well, we can't do that because there's no money in it or something like that. I mean, that's, well, well, that's right. And, I, the, and that wasn't the only point I was making either. They, they need no, to be prepared you. to do their job. You know, if you want, and you get what you paid for. If somebody's not giving them that money, then hold the people accountable who aren't getting it to them and, and hold the sheriffs accountable who, like, again, we've already, we point that out all the time. People don't even, they don't even think about it. They just go, oh, uh, I guess the sheriff's getting elected. They usually have no idea who the sheriff is. They also don't know who any of their judges are, right? They just, they, you know, unless you were going before a judge, you usually have no idea who your judges are. Nobody bothers to investigate which judges hold positions that you like and which ones you don't, right? So that's what I'm saying is, is that the, the things that already exist within the system that were set up that way for a reason are also not being followed. You know, and some of that is on the citizens themselves. If you're not like actively looking into who your mayor is going to be, if you're not looking into who your county commissioner is going to be, if you're not looking into who your sheriff and your local judges are going to be, it, it's kind of at that point, I mean, like you haven't even tried the beginning of what would be necessary to reform you know, um, police and prisons and all that stuff, you know, and when you bring this up to BLM, oh, it, it's much they, don't have, they don't want anything to do with that conversation. Agreed. It's the same point I had on the left about fixing the, the schools and the kids being and murdered at schools. You know, one of my suggestions was obviously end gun free zones. Like let's get rid of the soft targets. They don't want to hear those kind of things. They don't want to address them. They don't, that's not even a, a possibility to them. Um, and, you know, another thing that you're pointing out, it's a lot easier to do it on that level. It's a lot easier to handle politics on your local level than it is on a national level. And that is where people should focus more. Um, unfortunately, as we started off the show or some point on the show, we talked about how people hold the office of the presidency as this huge big deal and pay attention to that so much and worry about Donald Trump or Joe Biden as compared to who their mayor is and who their city councilman is and their sheriff is and so on and so on governing and particularly in the form of liberty is much easier done on a small scale at a, a city level um than it would be at a state or federal level without a doubt and you know again as i pointed out i think we're at a line in the sand where there's many of us who want that local level to come back and be where we focus on and this whole group of people who want this big centralized federal government to run your lives and tell you what to do. I mean, look how they flipped out when the Supreme Court overturned the Roe versus Wade 
ruling. And again, they didn't acknowledge the fact that this was based on the 10th Amendment, that the Supreme Court said that this is a states' rights issue. They didn't give a shit. They don't want it a states' rights issue. They want the federal government to be the be-all, end-all and say, no, you got to allow this or not allow this. Um, they don't want to hear that about your local level and handling it, handling this or handling that. So I think we're at that line in the sand where you're either for this big power centralized government or you're not. And inside that or you're not group is probably conservative, libertarians, anarchists. Inside the we want the big, powerful central government is your, you know, a lot of your Democrats and your communists and socialists and, and people like that. And as I long think- as they agree with them, yeah. But it's, you know, but that's why I keep pointing out, for example, Russell Brand, huge channel, guy's an anarcho-communist, but he talks constantly about a decentralized system of communities that are locally, you know, governed by the people that are actually in them, right? You know, all of these systems work better if people are more conscious. Like, you, I don't know if you remember him. I can't even remember his name. I used to have a co-host on V Radio. And he would talk about how things were. Is <laughs> that Europe. good? <laughs> you know, I, oh, I can't yeah, remember his Jacob. name. Jacob. Yeah, right. Because we had kind of a weird falling out at the end. But anyway, like right, he pointed yeah. out, for example, that if you don't vote, I think it was in Switzerland, they fine you. <laughs> like You're not allowed to not vote, right? You know, um, and they have a referendum system set up. So that as a consequence, if the voters don't like what their, their government is doing, they have a little bit more power to do something about it. But the point is, is that we have disengaged from our system and then we don't understand why it isn't working right. You know, we, we, if we're going to say to ourselves, okay, well, we don't want the, the big government in the way, but we also are not going to be responsible for our local government. Then what do you think is going to happen? Like, you know, nothing good's going to come of that. That's why I said, but you know, that's why I said for any of these systems to work, people have to have a value. Shift. I mean, I mean, I know libertarians and that includes, are highly focused on local governments and the local elections. Right. They have to be, they don't have the money and resources to focus on the national ones anyway, which as we've discussed in a previous show, I think that's a good thing. Like it allows the focus to where it should be. You're, you're really spreading freedom at that level where, you know, you need to be spreading it. Uh, Because you're not going to get it. The government, a central government, a federal government always wants power, is always corrupt. um, And that's always going to be the case. I don't think you'll ever have a benevolent federal, large centralized government. Right. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, we've we've talked about this this concept for years. I I think, though, you would have to acknowledge, you know, like as I pointed out, I had a friend who used to go to Black Lives Matter protests and events and because he was a black person they would say stuff in front of him that they may not always say openly and i asked him who he found to be in the leftist version of abolish the police you know and he's like well they usually come in two varieties i was like well what are they he's like well either these kids are utterly naive about crime like they don't know anything about my life in the ghetto they've never seen a drive-by you know, and he literally said they think they know the hood because they drove through my neighborhood once to go to a nightclub or something. He's like, they don't understand at all what it's like to live here. You know, and then he's and I said, so what's the other group? He's like criminals, you know, and I chuckled for him. I was like, what do you mean? He's like literally criminals, people that I grew up with that are lifelong criminals. Of course, they want to abolish. The police. You know, and you see it because what are they doing in these areas where they keep passing laws to go easy on shoplifters, for example? You know, what what happens in these places where, you know, like the the district attorney who is the son of two members of the the communist weather underground terrorist group, 
he became a DA and he just kept letting all the criminals back out. And then eventually the people of San Francisco had to recall him because he was just going to keep doing it. You know, um, so you can, you can, I mean, not have the government incarcerate and punish people um, that are shoplifting and stuff or, or, you know, let them back out as long as you don't punish the store owner for doing his means necessary to keep that shoplifting from happening again. Um, you know, you don't, you don't really see gun stores being held up and robbed that much. There's a reason for that. Everybody who works behind the counter is packing. Um, you know, it's the same thing. Like if I owned a convenience store in a place where the politicians were allowing um, people to come in and rob you and not do anything about it, I, as a private owner, would take care of that myself. And, you know, God forbid that they try to come and punish me for it. We'll assume that they won't, that they're fair across the board. Like, you know, okay. So they tried to come in and rob me. We put it down. All fair, you know, all's good. Oh, oh, all is well that ends well, right? So, well, uh, you know, but I would, I would take that back to the same situation I saw when two Antifa cells were beefing with each other because. One of the Antifa cells had a member that accused another one of the Antifa cells of sexual harassment, and they had no way to figure out who was telling the truth. So it was really just going to come down to a couple of black blocks fighting each other in the streets to determine who really did it. Like the incident that you just described makes perfect sense if that's what actually happened. What if you just happened to be a show owner, you know, store owner, and you just, you know, got into a dispute with someone about something personal and decided to shoot him? Who determines that that actually is or is not what happened? That's, you know, that's why I said I'm all for less state power, but you got to have something to replace that system. Who's going to do the forensic interview, like analysis to find out if you're telling the truth? You know, I was doing my example based off your example. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. again, um, having said that now, you know, I keep reading the comments and I I think I saw somebody say that before we end the show, which needs end soon that, you know, they're. I, I think we had somebody else, very few people in our comments and our listeners are supportive of the sentencing that happened to these proud boys. Um, so I'm surprised right. a few come in and said that they're happy about it. Um, I have seen some comments still that saying all the rioters and all the riots are stupid. I think the way that almost they all went down, of course, you know, I think burning your neighborhood, you know, wrecking private businesses is stupid. I don't think being pissed at the government and wanting your voice to be heard is stupid. So I think there's a separation there. Um, and I think, you know, you know, January 6th is not the same thing as Kenosha. Um, what happened at the Capitol, I don't think is in any way the same thing as Kenosha. So you have to separate those two in my mind and look at them for, from that point of view. But I think the cause is the same thing. People are fed up and pissed, you know, and one side it was fed up and pissed about what was perceived police brutality. Another side it's election fraud and, you know, the government, and all the fake news and everything. So, you know, um, I'm not happy with the sentencing that happened with the Proud Boys. I think that it's ridiculous. Um, I, I'm not surprised, you know, the government wants to set an example of anybody who questions their authority. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you're happy about it, you're definitely not on the pro-freedom side. You know, and I, for me, I think I regret that I, you know, before we did this topic, I really should have looked at it more. I was just busy, like literally right up until the moment of the show. But like, you know, the only Proud Boy or let well slash conservative who showed up at um, January 6th that I knew enough about was the QAnon shaman. There were so many people that were there. I, I mean, I would want to go over every case individually, but in general, my policy is violent, inter- violent protest is not OK. Don't do that. You know, um, 
it, it, so I would want to look at it before I formulated and made a statement. But in general, I will also say that the absurd overreaction to January 6th, while literally just completely setting a blind eye to anything that happened before it, as far as rioting is concerned, is just asinine. Like, right. and I, and that's that's why I said hindsight is always twenty twenty in my documentary was just to try to point out, you know, literally there's a guy, there's a BLM activist in New York who said, you know, there will be riots, there will be fires, and there will be bloodshed. Like he just directly threatens that if he doesn't get what he wants from the mayor of New York, that's what's going to happen. You know, right. you know, there there are, I have all kinds of recordings of people saying that at one point. A Biden supporter says to a you know BLM riot, you know, hey, keep it, you know, keep it peaceful. And then one of the Karens in the BLM rioter group said, You're asking for peaceful protest. That's white supremacy. I'm glad like, I'm not a Karen. Well, right. But you get My the name's point. It's just the, the notion that it's okay when they do it, but not okay when another group does it has just gotten to the point where it's just so stupid. Like right. I just, you know, um, and then they they lie about you know, like it's the same thing about. What they're, I mean, you know, and this is a perfect example, and I think we can pretty much wrap it up with this, but it's like the people, like, remember when you were mentioning earlier about the kind of people who are so happy that these people got those harsh sentences? They're yeah. the same people who still think that Kyle Rittenhouse should be in jail for the rest of his life. They're exactly the same people. They actually right. are. I mean, right, right. Yeah, you know, I given know all their, the their same facts, that, yep. you, you know, even admitting to all the same facts just on the basis that they believed that he went there with intent, which I did a video specifically about that because he literally was giving medical attention to BLM rioters right after they pepper sprayed him. So if he was there to attack people, he'd have done it a lot different. I mean, you know, if you wanted to be a kid with an AR-15 and kill some people, you know, in Kenosha, just go sit out in the dark somewhere and cap some people. It would have been really easy, right? right. You know, especially the way they were just walking around like lemmings. And I, and I say it like that because that's what it was like after watching hundreds of hours of irrelevant footage to try to get <laughs> relevant things, literally hurting myself. I hurt myself sitting in my chair so long. And anyway, the point is, is that those kinds of people would have wanted anybody, you know, prosecuted. And it's because we've become so tribal now that it the truth doesn't matter to them anymore. You know, they, they want anybody to go to jail that they don't agree with. They want people who you know, disagree with them to be, you know, like I remember there was a the viral clip for a while when um they were it was on a I want to say it was on MSNBC, but they had a panel together and they brought on some expert and he's like, well, if they're going to keep reporting fake news. It's time to try to arrest some people and put them in jail. I was like, what? Like, you know, it's like you, you want to arrest journalists now? I'm like, you know, they don't they don't understand what they're walking into. And, you know, unfortunately, the facts are optional. You know, those people would have want if it was a peaceful protest. Those people would have still wanted those people. That's right. I guess you know everybody listening. If you haven't figured out, if we don't watch a clock, Neil and I can talk all night long, and you guys will be up until four in the morning, listening to us bullshit about every topic on the planet. Um, but at some point, we have to end our show and go. And I think we've reached that point. Um, as always, Neil, it's been a great show. Um, I love our listeners and I love the active chat and how everybody's involved in that. Um, I say it every week as we end the show and I mean it. Um, it's great. This is one of the things I look forward to is the active chat that we have and all the comments that we get and the interaction 
that happens there. So at this point, you know, if you're not telling your friends and family about this show, shame on you. You guys need to get out there. You know, <laughs> Neil and I are shadow banned and we yeah, can't exactly. gain any traction without you guys. So, you know, you got to start, you know, retweeting our show, posting it on Facebook, telling your friends and family about it. Um, they all deserve the dose of liberty that we give people. Um, mostly what I give people. I don't know what Neil does over there all day long. Right, right, but, of course. Um, <laughs> but no, again, we appreciate you guys and we appreciate the support. Um, obviously, as I always say, if you have not liked my YouTube channel yet, hop off of Neil's channel and go over to a Liberty Unleashed uh, and give me that subscribe button. Um, on both of them, you can smash the like button to show that you uh, liked our episode. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what else to say. You know, I, I, I really think they need to get out there and tell everybody about our show. And uh, that's about all I can say about that. Well, if you like this kind of content, folks, and you want it to succeed, then you basically are going to have to share it because even if you can't afford to financially support the shows, then you should definitely share them, subscribe to them. And don't settle with that. There's a reason why I have a Discord and a Facebook and a Telegram and I'm on Rumble and Odyssey and everything else is because of the fact that YouTube does a really terrible job of, well, people report to me constantly. Somehow I got unsubscribed. I didn't get a notification for this broadcast. So that's why I suggest you go to hy.page slash vradio, and there you'll find all of my links to things like Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, but also my Discord channel where you guys can come and have conversations with people from diverse you know, opinions. The main rule is just don't, you know, engage in personal attack. Um, you know, but you're allowed to be conservative, whatever, left this or whatever, as long as you can manage to not call people names. You know, you're free to go ahead and have that conversation there. Excellent. If you want, right. If you want to, uh, if you do want to support me financially, I am in kind of a tough spot at the moment, but it, you know, I haven't been pushing it too hard, but like, uh, you can support me on Patreon, Subscribestar, or PayPal. If you really want to give me, get me through Venmo or something, just reach out to me individually and you'll have a chance to do that. So, um, you know, but also check out my archives. I've noticed that a lot of you guys, you know, like, you know, a lot of the things we talked about tonight come from previous shows. You know, maybe we should try to wade through the North Virginia Patriots stuff and see if there's anything that we think people might like to listen to nowadays, you know, um, but you and I have been doing this for a really long time. So there's got to be like content that they might find interesting. And in, you know, as far as perspectives, um, you know, let us know if there's a topic you want us to discuss and talk about. We we're always willing to take some, uh, some suggestions from the audience. And uh, also, you know, I think everybody needs to be like um, um, Tam and, and Daisy girl, you know, be like Tam and Daisy girl and tell everybody about it. Share the, share the links. Um, be like Tam, but yeah, no, we definitely take suggestions on topics and content that you'd like to hear. Um, again, I keep trying to get Neil to do a show on cryptocurrency and decentralized finance. Um, and he's not sure that's something you guys would want to hear about or listen to. So, um, if I'm right, let us know if Neil's right, let it well, no, forget about it. Neil's never right. Um, right. I'm always <laughs> left. <laughs> left libertarian. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, what we could do we is review, <laughs> we could review the anarchist because crypto comes up in that documentary series. Now. Okay. I will anarchist. watch the anarchist so we can review so, it. I mean, I know that people way you can who were there so. issue into the conversation. Well, there you go. That would be great. And 
I think you'd mentioned maybe possibly bringing someone on who was there at Anarcho Poco and all of that was going on. I do yeah. want to ask THX because I was not aware of this that Jeff Censored had told people about me. Um, if you could give me some more context to that, I would really appreciate it, THX, because I just looked up his channel. I was like, do I know this guy? Like, I, I couldn't remember. Um, and super chat from John Jackson, you know, thanks for the show. John is always, you know, here on my channel, you know, and if you have not, subscribe to liberty unleashed you really should because any second now um brian's gonna do content on liberty unleashed it's true any second it's true right. yes it right. is true. um full disclosure of ufos is about as likely however that's it's more likely now right because we're talking about ufos right so um but in any case yes he's going to be doing some stuff you know um bring it i mean have you had any ideas about what you're working on or what yeah, you know, I work on a lot of things that have to do with the uh, Bill of Rights. So, you know, Second Amendment, Tenth Amendment, um, as we talked about decentralized finance, um, anything that really gets the government out of your life uh, in any way. Um, you know, tonight, this weekend, I was really out working on the garden a lot. Do you have a garden, Neil? Uh, well, I have a damaged spine, so no. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I mean, it would be have... really, really hard for me to mind a garden when I can't get out of my bed without help. So. Well, I'm hoping by next year to have chickens and uh, possibly quail. Um, quail Ooh, eggs are good really. and quail are quail good. Quail is eat. so tasty. Yes, quail <laughs> is tasty. And, you know, my point there is to move towards homesteading. Um, we do, you know, I'm not, I don't tell the federal government, but I do do reloading and stuff of my own. So when we go to the gun range, we find brass on the ground. So if you're looking to think about the kind of content that I would talk about, again, it's anything that you can do that, uh, you know, gets the government out of your life, supports the bill of rights. Um, homesteading would be one of those things. I mean, I only got a small garden, so I can't call myself a homesteader yet, but like I said, I'm working there and the amount of money I put into soil and seeds and building the garden i can't say that it saved me money over buying vegetables from the grocery store but what i can tell you neil since you don't have a garden is when you get those vegetables from your garden it tastes totally different than the grocery store the kids oh no i, they I was a farmer when i was a kid i i remember distinctly going out into the garden and plucking and eating the cherry tomatoes oh yeah the kids do like, that here we we get the well the raspberries we we don't have right now, but the strawberries they were doing that with, um, you know, when they bite into a tomato, you know, they often say, wow, this is good. Where'd you get it? And then we say our garden, you know, cause they can tell the difference um, right. between the store bought and there. So, you know, I think the reward there is one, the, the work that you put into it, that's kind of rewarding. And two, the flavor of the uh, vegetable is great. But of course I get my own seeds then I don't have to keep rebuying them. I can get the seeds out of everything I got and then use them for the following year. And don't tell that, Monsanto. Exactly. You know, and I'm not, I'm not going to, if you don't. So no, yeah, I that's won't. the kind of stuff you would expect from Liberty Unleashed to talk about all those kind of things, guns. And, and by the way, Monsanto, if you are listening to this stream, go to hell. Yeah, that anyway. too. What Neil said. Right. What I said. Continue, Ryan. <laughs> no, that's it. That's, that's answer your question. Right. From Liberty Unleashed. I mean, it says it in its name. It's all about Liberty and that's what we do here. More specific Liberty that has been unleashed. Yeah, it's going to be unleashed no. all over you. Not, not just, yeah, like all over you. And, it gets but, sloppy. Right. But that's that's the reason he's got the webcam, because he's going to unleash his liberty all over you. Yeah. But you but you have to tip him for that. 
<laughs> Thanks everybody for tuning in to V Radio, guys. I still have some more content I've been kind of on and off working on. I've just been cramming for some certifications for something I'm gonna be do- gonna be doing later. Um, you know, remember guys, like and subscribe, ring the bell, um, share this content everywhere you can, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys. Have a great night.